From the Barnabas Only, latest international news with this headline read, ISIS expands territory in the Middle East, aims to eliminate Christian presence. The Islamic militant group ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, which now prefers to be known simply as the Islamic State, is widening its control of territory in the Middle East. From northern Iraq and northern Syria, the militants are now searching and reaching into the southeast. Turkey is also included, where ISIS fighters have been seen in Midran or Mardin, one of the country's historic Christian homelands. ISIS is also controlling Ezek, a main center of Christians in northern Syria. One of its aims is the complete elimination of the Christian presence in the territory they control. Last week, Wednesday, the President Barack Obama was in Estonia in the city of Tallinn. And according to the Associated Press, is attributed to the President who have said these words. President Barack Obama said last Wednesday that the United States will not be intimidated by Islamic State militants after the beheading of a second American journalist, Stephen Sotloff, and will build a coalition to degrade and destroy the group. The President vowed that the U.S. will not forget the terrible crime against these two fine young men. We will not be intimidated. The horrific acts only unite us as a country and stiffen our resolve to take the fight against these terrorists. All those who make the mistake of harming Americans will learn that we will not forget and that our reach is long and that justice will be served. Please let's pray. Our Father, we are indeed privileged, delighted to be here today. We have much to thank you for because it is all because of you that we are here, that we exist, that we live in the relative peace and safety that we do have. Yes, we are cognizant of the fact that here in our very small, precious country, there is so much wrong, and so we can complain. But Lord, when we look at all that you have done and all of the blessings that we have, we have too much to be thankful for. And so we commit that this is indeed the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. These things, Father, we ask that even as you use this unworthy vessel, that you will speak to and through to your people this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember where you were in what we refer to as 9-11, 2001, when the news came that there were planes crashing into the those towers. How many of you, just by a show of hand, 
How many of you can remember where you were when you first heard the news? Wow. Put your hands down. That's approximately 13 years ago. Today is not 9-11. This is a 9-7. But the fact that you can remember that is incredible. We are told that President Barack Obama mentioned that they will not forget what we participated in this morning. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner, he took the cup. You know, he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. I think sometimes we tend to forget what has happened on Calvary. We have taken that for granted. The fact that we can still remember 9-11, it must have been something that has in a sense shocked your consciousness. It was so unusual, so horrific, that you haven't forgotten the day. You could remember exactly where you were when you first heard the news. I was driving on Cable Beach heading to a meeting with some educators in my car when I heard the news. Why is it that that stuck in my mind? I know why, maybe intellectually, in terms of understanding the biology of how the mind works, in terms of memory, but because we have this celebration, this Eucharist that we celebrate the Lord's table, because you weren't there, maybe that's why you do not remember all of the graphic details or what it means and what Christ's death means for all of us. And so I, I want to do something today that is probably unusual because I don't want you to forget. But that's a risk because you are so reserved, right? Yes. You know, it's embarrassing if I say, would you please stand and nobody stands. You know, I'll have to go to plan B and say, would everybody please remain seated? Yes. But let me ask you a question. I will need your help so that I might also complete my sharing with you this morning and so that I may not sin that sin that most pastors or preachers have. And that is to put you to sleep with such a good news of the gospel. But to do that, someone has once said that if I speak for more than 30 minutes, it either means that I'm an angel or the people in the pew are an angel. We're going to find out, sad time in me, where the angel is this morning. But I need your help as we go through this message this morning. And so I need to do that by asking you this simple question. Do you think it is, po well, do you think it is possible to find something to give God thanks for? You, you, do you think there's anything that comes to mind readily that you think you can thank God for? Now, we say in the Bahamas, thank you in many ways, right? Well, what do you, you tell a little baby when you want him to say thanks? Now, of course, we are more sophisticated today, so we say it properly. Thank you when you receive something. But do you remember when they used to tell them just simply say tata? Yeah, tata. Say tata. 
and the child never get rid of Tata. <laughs> you know, and then you say, speak English. So speak proper English. You know, Tata, we sometimes just say, thanks, without the age, yes, thanks. You know, then we move to the thanks, then there is thank you. Some people even go unsophisticated, Brother Tommy them, you know, and Brother Brian them, they say it in another language, say gracias, <laughs> you know. As somebody else, and sister part in the back, even says merci beaucoup. <laughs> that sounds good, eh? but I know nothing else. I just say thank you and thank you. But do you have a reason to give God thanks? Let me ask you a question. I need you so that I do not put you to sleep. If I ask you to participate, would you do so? Yeah, I appreciate that. Do you know what we say is normally the highest form of praise or thanks? What, what, what's that word? Hallelujah. hallelujah. I bet I, I bet. Let me see. Could this side please say hallelujah for me? Just try. That's fantastic. Go on for yourself. Let's try something else. Um, could the middle here, by the way, last, last Sunday when the young people shared, it was incredible. And I think Brother Antoine referred to it when, they, when he came up. Uh, to continue leading with our song and devotion. He says that they were using the word amazing. Yes, this, the young people, it's in vogue to say it was amazing. I'll never forget, it was amazing. So can this middle section say it's amazing? It's amazing. Absolutely. I'm moving over to this side. These are the younger people. Um, could, could you say, could you, could you just simply say, uh, but, but we will talk about this, do this in remembrance of me. I think that Jesus is a, it's a wonderful savior, right? Could you just ask, put that in the form of a question for me by simply saying, what a savior. What a savior. Now say it this way, not as a question, but you're so amazed at what he's done. Just say, what a savior. What a savior. Come back, you need some help. But I come back. <laughs> but, but let me tell you this, and I want to move quickly through this. I want to go back and refer to this as a familiar passage. In Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to read it as slowly, um, but I need to move because of the time. I need to find out where the angel is and here this morning. Isaiah chapter 53. I will read from verse 3, 53 through 6, so it won't be lengthy. Just this excerpt. Isaiah 53, verse 3 starts by saying this. He was despised. This is Jesus. And rejected by men. That's our Savior. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely, he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. That's a hallelujah moment right there. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That's amazing. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What a savior. Let me try this. Over here, I'm gonna reverse this. Sister Brenda, I need you to say, it's amazing. Let's try that again. It's amazing. It's amazing. Very good. When I raise my right hand, that's what you must say, okay? In the middle, when I do both hands, I need you to say hallelujah. Try it. Hallelujah. That's good. Notice I switched because these people over here needed help last time. So, uh, but no, but here we can saying this. Just simply say, what a savior. That's my left hand. Now let's go. What a savior. Now say it with some attitude. What a savior. There you go. Okay. Let's try to see if this works over here. Church out. Crab walking. Jesus Christ was deprived of justice. The President Barack Obama says justice will prevail. Jesus Christ was deprived of justice. He absorbed the shame of sin and the shock of God's wrath so that you and I would not have to. The sad, good news of his unforgettable death made it all possible. What a savior. I like Clint Eastwood. He was one of my favorite movie stars. Um, so I used to watch most of the pictures. He was a cowboy. And they had no cowboy, and Andres only crab boy. So as a result, a cowboy came, and I love cowboys. So Clint Eastwood acted in many movies. One was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and obviously he was there. Good. But then he acted in a movie, I think in 1993, called In the Line of Fire. And he was acting as let's call it one of those men, the president's men who protects the president. The persons who take up that job is normally supposed to be so brave that they will take the bullet. In the case of a president's life being threatened, they're supposed to throw themselves in the path of the bullet to preserve or to protect the president. And in this movie, In the Line of Fire, Clint Eastwood had some challenges because maybe 30 plus some years earlier, he maybe as a new rookie on the job, the president uh, was shot, and when the, when the shot was fired, he froze, couldn't move, and so that haunted him throughout and in this movie. But the time came when he had the opportunity because he was still in that capacity, and when the time came and the shot was fired at the president, and it suggests to me that the president was valuable. In other words, my life was of not sufficient value that it would be, I will take the position of protecting myself as opposed to that of the president. In other words, the president's safety was more important than my very own life. And so the opportunity came for Frank, he was called, Clint Eastwood was called Frank in his movie, for him to protect the president. And so a shot was fired and he dove in front of the bullet so that he might take the bullet instead. My brothers and sisters this morning, the president of the universe took the bullet for you and me. Now, let me tell you something. 
there are some people who suffer from. <laughs> Anyhow, I was going to tell them about attention disorder deficit, but listen, you better watch me. All right. <clears throat> okay. Stay tuned. But the president of the universe, it's, in other words, it was reversed. In the line of fire, the man protects the president. But understand this, that the president of the universe to jump in the line of the bullet to protect you and me. That's... Hallelujah! Amen. <laughs> I wanted to mention just six things and then I'm going to turn sideways and disappear from your presence. The death, I call it the incredible, unforgettable death of Jesus Christ was in our place. In other words, it was a substitution for us. Where he was, that's where you and I should have been. Christ died a substitutionary death on behalf of all sinners. His death is also called vicarious, meaning one in place of another. The tenor of 1 Peter chapter 2 Verse 24 is very similar. And it says these words. And he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. It's amazing. Hallelujah. What a savior. You got to lean to the left to get it out of <laughs> This doctrine of substitution, I think, is extremely important inasmuch as the righteous demands of a holy God were completely met through Christ's payment for our sins. It is on this basis that God may declare to believing sinners righteous and accepts them into fellowship without any compromise on his part. All the believers' sins are placed on Christ, who completely atoned for them and paid for them through his death. Think about that. Let me say that again. It is on this basis that God may declare believing sinners righteous and accept them into fellowship without any compromise on his part. All the believers' sins are placed on Christ, who completely atoned for them and paid for them through his death. That's amazing. Hallelujah. What a savior. The second thing his death is, unforgettable death did for us, is redemption. Not only was it substitution, but also redemption. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 says, states that the believers, about believers, have been bought with a price. Now, in the Greek word connotation, the picture here is of a, a slave being purchased in the ancient public slave market. Christ purchased believers out of the slave market of sin and set them free. Yes, what a savior. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become born servants of men. 
Again, 1 Corinthians 7.23. You were bought with a price. Do not become born servants of men. Galatians chapter 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. My brothers and sisters, I just think what he has done for us, being our substitute, being our redeemer, I just think it's simply what Alleluia means now is the highest form of praise. And all you saying is, thank you. And I think we do not pause long enough to say thank you and praise the Lord for what he's done. Right? What a savior. You ask me a question or what? What a savior. What a savior. Yeah. Not only has he been our substitute and our, redeem- and our redeemer for causing us to be um, the recipient of redemption, but he's also been our reconciliation. Say Winger once told us now, you know, we're starting a new school year, but I remember that um, according to Steve Ringer, who was in college one, was taking a very difficult course in logic, which can be difficult. But his professor said to him that um, doing this exam, which was a final exam, you can bring in anything that you want to assist you in taking this exam that you can get to fit on eight by 11, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. So some people, of course, they came in and they brought in all of the formulas and uh, um, stuff that they thought would assist them in taking this final exam. But there was one student who came in with his eight and a half by 11 paper, and on this sheet of paper, he put it on the floor. Strange, the paper was blank at first. And then in came this other student who stood on the eight and a half by 11 paper. Now the professor did say, anything that you can get fit on that paper is allowed. Yes, do you see where he's going? Because the student who he brought in was a master logic student. It was an A student. What do you think was Winger's result? He aced that test. Because <laughs> everything he didn't know, he has asked. So thank you. And he won. Reconciliation, all right? Um, you and I will have a final exam too. You know, when we have to stand before... Our God, and he asked the question, why should I let you in heaven? Well, we have eight and a half by 11, and guess who's going to be on that representing us? Jesus. I call that amazing. There you go. Fantastic. This meaning, of course, of reconciliation simply means that man who moved out of fellowship with God was estranged and alienated from God. Who now has moved the barrier, this is God, who has moved the barrier and thereby caused peace to exist between the believer and himself. The enmity and the hostility, enmity and the hostility have been removed. Imagine that, that between you and God there was enmity and hostility. Why in the world would you want to be at odds with God? Why in the world, you, some people would ask you, your, your head's straight? 
what, are you, what you on? What you smoking? Why would you want to be at odds with God? To be at enmity with God? Why would you want to be in that position or be hostile towards God? Because it says that he's moved by it because of Christ's death. Reconciliation between us and God is now possible. Because when I recognize that, you know what comes to mind? It's amazing. Yes. Hallelujah. What a Savior. I can help you all. Okay. In Romans 5.10 it says, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. It is God providing peace where previously there were enmity and God restoring man to fellowship with himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18, all this, it says, from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> yes, in Romans, in verse 19, it says that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Yes, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us uh, um, to we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Yes, yes. But not only has we, as we, been, we have been the recipient of the substitution, we have also been the recipient of redemption and now reconciliation. There's another thing. He's been our propitiation. Simply meaning that the righteous demands of a holy God were fully satisfied. In Romans 3.25 explains that God displayed that is Christ publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Christ provided a satisfactory payment for sin through his death. Wow. God was indeed satisfied. His holiness was upheld and his divine wrath was averted. You can imagine that. We were the target of God's divine wrath. But because of the death of Jesus Christ, do you understand now why when we say do this in remembrance of me? Do you pause? Do you think about all that has been accrued, all of the benefits that you and I have because of his death? And again, when I think of all of that in one moment, I tend to erupt in saying, it's amazing. It's amazing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a savior. And then not only that, forgiveness. Forgiveness was another word. The word forgiveness comes from the root word in the Greek meaning simply grace. And thus forgiveness means to forgive out of grace. Christ's unforgettable death resulted in forgiveness for sinners. And that is amazing. amazing. Yes, God could not forgive sin without proper payment. Christ's death provided the legal means whereby God could forgive sins. Colossians 2, 3, we said these words, God declares, forgiven us all our transgression. It is absolutely amazing. Hallelujah. What a savior. And finally, there was justification. Justification. Imagine, imagine God taking up his ledger and looking through it for your faults, your sins, and then when he comes across your name, he says, there is no account, there's nothing here against you. It's all been taken care of by my son. And you, you say, what? 
read the, the, check the name again. Yes, and he checks, and there you, I, I, and you know some of you all bad, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and 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 some of you were badder in the past, you know. But imagine now God simply saying, delete. That's. Yes, justification. This is the legal act in which God, the judge, declares. The, imagine that the judge, God, the judge, declares the believing sinner righteous. Romans five one explains. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word justified in the Greek it has both a negative or a minus and a positive or a plus aspect. Negatively, it simply means this: the removal of the believer's sin, something taken away from you. But God didn't just take that away and Leah left you naked. He also had something positive. And that simply means the bestowal of Christ's righteousness upon the believer. Took away your sin and then put on Christ's righteousness on you. Now you're looking good. That's amazing. Ah, what a savior. Wow. And then finally, as I said, in Romans 324, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. Hallelujah. What a savior. I think Philip P. Bliss said it best in a song that he wrote that we sing from time to time. Man of sorrow, what a name for the son of God who came. Ruined sinners, to reclaim. Hallelujah. Oh, what a savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a savior. Amen.